Turns out this is an historic day. <laughs> a day we can all gather together and sing Happy Bertha Day. <laughs> That's coming up. Yes, yeah, so Happy turn your radios down. Happy Bertha Day. <laughs> uh, here's Felix Spinell to explain the significance of this date. Well, this is this momentous. It's not the actual day today. It was actually Monday, February 4th, 2019, right? That was just almost exactly five years ago. It was a snowy Monday after a snowy Sunday. Chris Sullivan and I got up extra early in the morning because it was a momentous occasion. The waterfront tunnel was finally open to traffic after all that long soap opera of the earthquake back in 2001 that damaged the viaduct, all the political back and forth about do we repair the viaduct, do we put a surface street through there, all the delays of the tunnel digging being stopped by some unknown mysterious object, which I think turned out to be a metal stake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A metal pipe <laughs> that they put in there. It was part uh, of the yeah. pro- yeah, everyone thought That's what they said, so but they then said, the pipe yeah. disappeared. Right. We <laughs> hoped it, I hoped it was some kind of artifact, like an old locomotive or something, or some giant like petrified clamshell or something, but of course it was, it was nothing that exciting. So anyway, on that momentous occasion, I knew Chris was planning to do this, and I said, hey, can I tag along? And he sort of like kind of reluctantly agreed, and so we, uh, we went down and went for a drive. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to... A very unusual first day of the Seattle Tunnel. Uh, Chris Sullivan here, and I'm being joined by Felix Bunnell, our resident historian, doing something in real time, not waiting 20 years or 100 years for it to happen. Uh, No one will ever say that we did not drive the tunnel on the first day, because as you will see as we drive, uh, we have a pretty big snowstorm that hit overnight. So yes, this will be a drive in the snow into a nice warm and dry tunnel and then a drive into the snow and back around so welcome to the 99 tunnel day one in a snowstorm and i think that music was added to the video i don't think chris had the radio turned on playing some metalhead station i don't know that step, was that cat it was like almost like led zeppelin i think i was playing in the background yeah, there <laughs> got to get fired up for the drive <laughs> little, little cashmere or something there early in the morning anyway so you know as solely kept narrating the whole way through this, and this video is going to be posted at mynorthwest.com it's he never a classic. stopped talking did he yeah yeah and i you know i came up i i tried to make some inane suggestions but chris always kept a level head we're halfway through it's a two-mile tunnel. we got a mile to go. And I guess it would be too distracting to have little signs that said, like, directly above is the old Frederick and Nelson. Or directly above <laughs> is the, you know, historic site of where whatever happened. They can't have that. No, they can't. Right? Yeah, exactly. We, maybe at some point we'll have one of those brown signs for a national monument there or go. some sort of state monument or an there. audio tour, like a little FM transmitter in here that could turn off Cairo radio temporarily and give you an interpretive tour of what you're driving underneath yeah. Now, couldn't you at least have described the running stick figures or anything? Well, I know at one point I, we, I stuck my head out the window. That? Yeah, but uh, there was this beautiful new tunnel smell that's not there anymore. The new tunnel yeah. smell. Yeah, you know, it's like every, you know when you get a new tunnel. Oh, it's yeah, just, it's, yeah. It's different. Right. It's just for a couple of days anyway. It smells, it smells different. like damp earth. And they had those air fresheners you can buy that are in the shape of a tunnel. That, of course. Anyway. And it was that's the one thing about looking back five years. The tunnel, I, I go through it a lot. It's a great way to get around downtown if you're taking someone to the airport from North Seattle where I live or picking someone up from the airport or if you just don't want to deal with that stretch of I-5. Something about I-5 between SeaTac, the cutoff to 518 and That's my route to Seattle airport. Center now. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's that I-5 is just, it's like a, you know, it's it's the so many lanes and such high speed. And this such narrow of, lanes, too. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. And but although sometimes you get stuck behind a train there, down the south of the, uh, or north of the First Avenue South Bridge, or behind a bridge opening on First, that's the worst thing, going to the airport. Anyway, um, but uh, the tunnel, I think it's aged pretty well. Did, did you, were there any fun facts or how many cars have driven through it or how much tolls been collected or anything like that? Uh, well, the tolls have been way down. Uh, after the pandemic, but no, uh, what I did is I kind of collated some of the, the, the key dazzling details from the tunnel itself, okay. just in case people forgot. I mean, we have so many people that were not here during the Bertha debacle that, uh, that I mean, that shut down tunneling for 
Two years. Yep. Two years. Then the legal fight. This thing was three years late and a billion dollars over budget. <laughs> uh, but if you think about it, they used at the time the world's largest cutter head on big on Bertha. It was fifty seven and a half feet in diameter. I mean, this thing was massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Felix the, is going to want to save that and put it on exhibit at Mohai. I think well, parts of it did go to the Mohai collection. Think, yeah, actually. it did. Yeah, but, because yeah. and it was shipped over here from Japan in pieces and then put together and then dismantled and sent back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, a massive thing. I mean, but yeah, you look at it. Uh, yeah, it opened. Uh, let's see. Tunneling began on the 30th of July of 2013, and <laughs> we opened in 2019. So, you know, but in 100 years from now, 95 years from now, when people are reviewing this video, they'll be like, "Wow, what what an amazing!" All all the bad stuff will be forgotten, right? There won't be any delays. Will be removed. Well, I or? think they'll still be arguing in court Somebody who's going to be paying yeah. for yeah. the overruns of 200 to 400 million dollars. I think, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it was that was just like the biggest news. Every mm-hmm. day for like two well, years. Yeah, there was talk of a. Ba- I mean, Dory used to talk about abandoning the project on his show. It's yeah. like maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it can't be done. Maybe that tunnel is going yeah. to be abandoned. Which I th- I didn't think would ever happen, but it made for good radio, I guess. Well, remember we did also we did a running soap opera called "As the Earth Churns." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Where is the sounder for that? <laughs> that we we'll still have, have, we'll have to dig up some of that. But um, I think it's done its job in terms of replacing a lot of the traffic that used to go on the viaduct. The waterfront is still under construction. That whole revitalization. The viaduct being gone. Even though they're not done down there, has completely transformed the waterfront. I think whatever, yeah. whatever the delay of the tunnel or the, whatever the billions of dollars it cost, people will be grateful for that for centuries to come. So, Even did you the, and Chris ever get to the other side of the tunnel? Oh yeah, let's 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 oh, just keep oh, on yeah. the tunnel. Oh, and this is this, we have the whole tour here, Dave. So stand by here. Okay, now we pull back out. There is the exit to the stadiums to the brand new Dearborn Ooh, intersection. Uh, and so now we have people coming on here from this side, joining 99. And so that, yeah, that's it. That's how you get, you know, that's your southbound drive as we go by the stadiums and whatnot. So, yeah, it's actually, that was actually quite nice. Now, I won't make you listen to the northbound drive, but here's sort of Chris's final words of wisdom after kind of a long, hard 10, 15 minutes of history. Well, guys, good luck. Uh, That's what uh, you have waiting in front of you. I think it's going to be great. Again, no downtown exits. (laughs) Tolls start in a couple of months. Uh, And if you're driving during the snowstorm, uh, be careful. Uh, The tunnel's the best part of the drive. It's dry and it's warm inside. Maybe the music was actually playing inside the tunnel now that I think about it. Maybe that's just... I think Michael Simeona from our digital department uh, put that in afterwards because I don't think... Oh, that doesn't sound like anything like I recognize. Drop, kind of like By the way, I, I found the open for As the Earth Turns. <laughs> As the Earth Turns, the adventures of Bertha. This portion brought to you today by Mild Ivory Liquid. <laughs> Classic. So I don't Classic. think we should sing. We don't have time to sing Happy Birthday Day, do we? Do you get before we get to the headlines? Happy birthday to you. Oh, we're not singing it like Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, people of the great Pacific Northwest. Happy birthday to you. That'll be two point three billion dollars. All that rehearsal really paid off. Please don't put that in the archives. Thank you, Felix. See you in five years. That will be cut from the podcast. U.S. Court of Appeals has dismissed Donald Trump's plea for immunity regarding the federal election interference case, saying he is no longer president. 
Let's talk to CBS League Lennis Thane Rosenbaum. Thane, uh, Thane, this looked pretty decisive to me. Just to quote in part from this decision, uh, they write, as the Supreme Court has unequivocally explained, no man in this country is so high that he is above the law. All the officers of the government, from the highest to the lowest, are creatures of the law and are bound to obey it. That sounds pretty decisive to me. Dave, it does. Uh, but, you know, Donald Trump's argument, which I still think is alive uh, and something that the Supreme Court might choose to weigh in on uh, because it is a constitutional question, which is, was whatever it is that he was doing from the day of the election until January 6th, which he was still president during those times, right? That was when he was president. Mm-hmm. His argument is pretty clear. The election, there was concerns about the election. Half the country didn't believe the vote, and my job was to see uh, to ensure that there was election integrity. I was the commander in chief. I'm the president, and I, you know, my efforts were to make sure. Now, here's the interesting question: If he wasn't president, and there was someone else running mm-hmm. and lost, and half the country was upset about this, would he have then been able to say, "Yeah, well, let me look into this. I'm going to see what's going on. I don't think it went right. I think it, the election should have been decided differently." I think the numbers are wrong. I think that, you know, there was fraud. I think these things, and I'm the president. If you thought he was allowed to do that, does it change simply because he was president? Mm -hmm. So that's what the Supreme Court's going to decide. They're going to say he was acting outside the scope of his duties, and this was just about him wanting to stay in the White House, or he was doing his job. Well, it depends on what you do if you have an objection to the outcome of an election. And I think it has come out that there was a plan to put false electors in and essentially pressure Mike Pence into uh, recognizing them by threatening him with physical harm. Well, I don't know. You know, again, I'm not sure whether he was doing his fan base was definitely doing it. You know, that's the problem with Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. He was not prosecuted in any of these cases for insurrection. None of them. Right. And guess what? Under a dozen people were prosecuted for seditious conspiracy. There's 900 people that were prosecuted, pled guilty, or were found guilty of all sorts of lower-level crimes. But what you're describing is a plan, a conspiracy. In Georgia, they're calling it a racketeering, right? Mafia. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, look, I've always thought that, you know, Donald Trump, you know, is... He's the bad guy, right? He is. Don't vote for him if you're looking for the right guy. I just don't know. I'm look. I'm on. I'm on the. You know, uh, as you know, I'm a straight shooter. I'm just yes, down the are. middle. You know, I'm just down the middle. But on this particular issue, this issue was about general immunity. It wasn't about what would be, what might collide with that immunity, right? Not in any other right. act. It's just whether the concept of whether a president is responsible for what may have been an illegal but, act. I think it came let, it came up that this, why would Gerald Ford have had to pardon Richard Nixon, for example, uh, unless he too would have been subject to the criminal justice system after leaving office? Yeah, but here's an interesting thing, Dave. Uh, Richard Nixon was sued in civil court after mm-hmm. he left the uh, White House, by someone who got fired in the Air Force. And you know what the Supreme Court said? He's immune. Mm-hmm. The, guy, the guy's the president. Everyone, there's going to be a lot of people that will hate him, and you can't expose him to him like that. Now, they've never done it in a criminal case. That's what the Supreme Court's going to have to do if they take it. They're going to say, when we said United States versus Nixon, we were talking about civil lawsuits because we think all individuals, if your son was killed at war, 
right? You can imagine all sorts of reasons why a person would sue the president. But if he or she committed a crime, there's no immunity for that. Trump is simply going to say, I, 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 you, haven't, you've, you haven't proven that I've committed yeah. a crime. Okay, so for people placing bets in Vegas, Thane, uh, what's your prediction? Does the Supreme Court take this up or do they let it slide? Well, you only need four votes, Dave, to take it up. And yeah. I'm sure that uh, uh, Alito and Thomas will vote to take it up. And Trump has three more that he appointed. Now, the three of them, by the way, are very sensitive about that. They don't like to think that they're lackeys. So who knows, right? The three yeah. of them because they we just don't think we'll take it up. The, the Supreme Court tends to take cases that address uh, conflicting or unknown, uh, unresolved constitutional questions. That's their job. Right. So the question is, is the, is there a broad immunity to the president of the United States? Because when he or she leaves office, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to either punish him in civil court or in criminal court. And you'll, this is what we're opening at yet another Pandora's box by creating another precedent. And that's what their his lawyers are going to argue. And that is a question. Or he actually committed crimes and he's not immune from crime. Thane Rosenbaum, CBS Legal Analyst. Thank you, Thane. Anytime, Dave. Bye-bye. Last week, we spoke to UW virologist Keith Jerome about the state of COVID and other viruses that have been circulating among people this flu season. But those aren't the only ones he's monitoring. So at UW Virology, we've been keeping our eye on uh, avian flu. So we're always, what are the threats out there? If you remember way back in early 2020, we were hearing about this syndrome in China and, 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 and we were able to have the test ready to go when COVID came here, amazingly enough, for the first of the U.S. So we're always trying to keep an eye on what's out there. And I have been a, we've been watching this uh, avian flu, sometimes called H5N1, and uh, flu has these, these letters and numbers. So there's an H number. Um, and then there's an N number. And typically right now we have either H1N1 or we have H3N2. What do the H and the N stand for? Uh, hemagglutin and neuraminidase. Okay. So they're, they're, two, they're two proteins that the virus uses for very specific functions. Okay. And so, um, and flu, what makes flu such an amazing thing is that when it, it mostly lives in birds in the wild. And these H's and these N's and, and the other proteins, the genes that encode those are on, on different fragments of the genome. And the genome is actually in little pieces. And so when these ducks and things around with each other, they swap the pieces. So, for instance, you could think about this H3 could pick up the N1 from the if the duck got both at the same time. Wow. And so that's why flu is so good at changing really quickly. And so there's this H5N1 that exists. Um, and typically it's been in birds, and sometimes it'll make the news because uh, bird flocks have to be culled if it's in agriculture or something. It but, was right before Thanksgiving, I yeah, think, this was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but what we've been seeing is it's more and more spreading through wild bird populations, and it's even moved into bird populations in the Arctic and Antarctic, Whoa. which is really interesting. And then it gets a little bit scarier because it's commonly observed, not commonly, but it can be observed in mammals. Sometimes getting into people, people who handle birds, if you're, you're around birds a lot, one or two cases, but it hasn't been able to spread from one person to another or one mammal to another. Um, but you may have seen some of these horrific pictures. So it's gotten into polar bears, for example, and penguins. Uh, they're in different sides of the world. But, but um, 
also in Antarctica, the, these um, there's a there's a, a a big sort of uh, southern elephant seal, and this is, is an enormous animal, up to eight thousand pounds, and basically like ninety to ninety five percent of them have died of H five N one. So in in what span of time? Uh, just in the last couple of months, I mean, it's really what? been just dramatic, um, and to in, the point of extinction, or just in this particular well, I mean, population. It, no, in fact, uh, the Arctic biologists and Antarctic biologists are really worried about the effects on biodiversity and things. Um, typically, there are a few survivors in populations when this happens, but obviously, you wouldn't. It would be horrific in a human population, of course. Um, so, of course, those animals hunt the birds, and so that's one thing. But in in the elephant seal population, what's been observed now is that a huge fraction of the pups have died, and the pups don't hunt. So the pups appear to have gotten it from their mothers, their their parents. Um, and if that implies mammal mammal to mammal transmission, you're getting kind of close yes. to the possibility of transmission. So this is the sort of thing that we you know need to keep an eye on. I mean, in WHO, CDC. UW virology. I mean, we're all keeping an eye on this. Um, but this is what flu does. And this is where those pandemics have come from in the past, from animals, and they gain the ability to spread between humans. And that's, if we think about 1918 and things like this. And, mm-hmm. um, I certainly hope that nothing like that happens uh, uh, ever. Um, but I certainly hope that if an event like that does happen, that we do a better job in responding uh, scientifically, medically, societally, um, from our experience that we've just been through, mm-hmm. with which could really prove to be just a practice run for 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 something like this. That is a question I wanted to ask. Given that we all did just go through a pandemic together, when do you see the next one on the horizon? I think everybody was referring to the 1918 Spanish flu, and then all of a sudden, hundred years later, here we, is it another hundred years, or are these things speeding up? These events. Uh, well, it's random to some degree, just out okay. in out in the wild, and and sometimes it's individual cases of bad luck. This person is exposed to a bird, and then they are near an immunosum. Some scenario like this will happen. We don't fully understand what happened in the uh, in in the live markets, for example. Mm-hmm. That was probably you know we don't want to go all there again, but where COVID <laughs> probably came from. Um, you know, 1918 flu probably came somewhere from the Midwestern part of the United States. Um, it's, it's hard to tell, but it, HIV, another example, mm-hmm. probably you know, in parts of Africa and uh, harvesting of bushmeat. So when viruses jump into a human and then they gain that ability to jump from one to another, they can cause this pandemic. Let's talk about measles. That's coming uh, up again. Cases are being reported. I believe we had some down in Pierce County, yep. but also the East Coast is where it's popping yeah. up the most yeah. right now. This happens. I mean, measles disappeared from the headlines during the pandemic. But prior to that, I remember doing the stories about a measles outbreak here in our population. People aren't vaccinating, anti-vaccine. And where are we now? Yeah. So, well, measles measles probably went down just because people were social distancing. And yes. measles, although we think of it as the rash, it's actually spread through a respiratory route. So it's kind of similar to the ones we're talking about with yeah. wearing a mask. Actually, a good thing. Um, so that really comes under the heading of a preventable, you know, something that just shouldn't be happening because the vaccine works so well. And Wasn't it declared eradicated at some point? The measles, or am I thinking polio? Polio is eradicated. Okay. Yeah. Um, measles is, or well, polio is not fully. There's still 
some coming polio, up with, yeah. and there's there are vaccines. Some of the some of the polio vaccines that have been used historically were live viruses, so kind of weakened ones that yeah. they can still replicate and occasionally cause problems. So, um, so smallpox is fully eradicated. So, so that there's also something called rinderpest, which was in cattle that's been eradicated as well. It actually was a big deal for for farmers and cattlemen. Um, so eradicating the virus, well, certainly you could functionally do that. You could know that your child's never going to be incredibly ill. I mean, again, measles can kill people. And we forget this. Mm-hmm. And I think I think people haven't, for diseases like that, especially the childhood diseases that can be so tragic, people just haven't personally experienced the horror of, of a child that sick. Your daily dose of kindness now brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. It's a Kelsey act of kindness. Imagine getting a job at your local McDonald's only to realize your all-time favorite Eagles player is a semi-regular in the drive-thru. Madeline Wright with CBS affiliate KYW-TV has the story. You never know who you'll meet at a fast food drive-thru. They were like, um, Danielle, uh, Kelsey's here. And I was like, no way. Danielle Bonham was working at the McDonald's in Broomall last summer when beloved Eagle Center and Haverford resident Jason Kelsey pulled up at the window. What was your reaction when you saw him at the drive-thru? So the first time, I cried because that's all I wanted for my birthday. I turned 40 in July. Since then, Bonham says she's served Kelsey six more times. We know each other on a first-name basis, obviously. Including Wednesday when he autographed her Eagles jersey. It's a photo that's blowing up on social media. I told him, I said, I finally got the jersey. Can you sign this for me? And he said, sure. And so he did. Um, And that's something I will cherish for the rest of my life. Bonham says Kelsey motivated her to keep going during one of the toughest moments of her life, a divorce. This was as bad as when I lost my mom in 2005, yes. Um, And I've expressed that to Jason. it, the joy that he brings me, it's like it kind of feels the, fills the void. Bonham says Kelsey has left an indelible mark on the city of Philadelphia. If this is his last rodeo with us, I wish him all the best. And if he's got one more left in him, that's even better. While she's sad to hear he might be retiring, she believes it's not goodbye. Just see you later. Those Kelsey brothers, I yeah. tell ya. <laughs> Well, I want to interview the parents. What did they do there? What did they do right Yeah. Joining us now from the June Ursula Show is Ursula Reutin. Of course, the Super Bowl is coming up. That means it's party time. So here is Chief Party Thrower Ursula Reutin. (laughs) Tell us how to do it right in a four-minute segment. Go ahead. Uh, Well, I love love that I have the reputation as being the party girl Mm -hmm. or the one who's going to throw the party. And and, and I don't know if it's a well-earned reputation. Well, I don't know who else here has thrown a co-worker party before with such lavish accoutrement. (laughs) Unbelievable. Entertainment. You know what? What makes a great party is having great people at the party oh, so that yeah, is yeah. Uh, the the first part of it um i'm actually going to have a gathering on sunday oh. and we just decided this last night okay so the first thing you should do is plan better than i'm i'm doing and okay. we're just having a small much smaller gathering what's small for you how many people 12. 12. <laughs> I mean, that's small, especially that's small. if it's close friends. Yeah, that's small. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For my uh, mom's memorial service afterwards, we had like 40 people in our house. Okay, that's It was a lot. getting a little tight. Yeah. Um, for our 
Cairo party, I think we had about 40 or 50 people. Yeah. So, um, but in any case, so great people, great food, great drink. And enough for everybody. So, uh, so that's the key. Um, but did you know that Super Bar- uh, Bowl party costs may hit a record this year? And probably because everything costs so much. But according to the National Retail Federation, we're going to be spending $17.3 billion on Super Bowl parties wow. this year. Wow. Yeah, so it's big business. A lot of people are going to be eating um, chicken wings. Um, that is the number one. Is that what you serve? You doing uh, no, wings? generally no? not. No, I haven't even thought of what exactly I'm going to serve this time around. Can I suggest Although, a recipe? Yes. I'm very excited about yes, this because a bunch of like Super Bowl recipes have been popping up on my Instagram yes. feed and I found one called deviled potatoes. It's Ooh, somebody's yum. take on deviled eggs, except you use tater tots or like tot coins. Have you ever seen those? And then you take like mashed potatoes, you mix them up like deviled eggs and you pipe them on top of the tater tot mm. and it's a deviled tater tot. I want to do that. Potatoes See, on potatoes? Yeah. Well, what, it's egg on sounds, egg when it's deviled eggs. I guess that's right? true. What sounds really good is it has to be easy to eat. Yes. Portable. Finger food. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, buffalo chicken wings. Um, that's number two. Spinach artichoke dip. Yeah. You need to have a good dip. Yeah. You know what I was thinking, though? I love the idea. You know how charcuterie boards oh. are the <laughs> easiest? That's exactly. what I did for like, Christmas. Have everyone bring a charcuterie board. Well, and I'll, I'll provide charcuterie boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so, like that because they can be different themed. I've seen yes. that too, like themed charcuteries. Yeah, that's what I did for Christmas. Usually, we cook a meal and have family and friends over, and it's a big old thing. Instead, we did the entire kitchen counter. The island was just charcuterie. I love it. Yeah, it's perfect yeah. finger foods. Everybody I think, was for happy. Super Bowl party. So, it's important. Is it important to have a keynote dish, oh. like a yes. main attraction? So, you know the best. Super Bowl parties I've ever attended were at our late friend and colleague, uh, Dory Monson's house. Hmm. And he had a theme and his th- the theme was it was surrounded. It was around his famous or infamous chili. So he would make a bit just enough chili for everybody. It would just go, go on for days and uh, it beanless chili, which is the only way you should have chili. Serious. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, it was very meaty and very spicy. It did it perfectly. Why are so, you not supposed to have beans and chili? Because I don't like beans. Oh, because you don't like beans. Okay, I thought this was a and thing. I thought nor this did was Dory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I think if you have one dish that everyone's going to partake in, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's big. Um, but you can also have fun party games like host a chili cook-off, do a wing eating contest, do a celebrity dress-up contest. <laughs> do, you, do you do prop bets? Uh, you know, no, well, that's fun. Dory did. Yeah, uh, and uh, I won uh, one of his on one of his parties, and he won too. Like we what were did he the, win uh, money. Oh, money! Yeah, that's right. He <laughs> dealt in cold hard cash. He was a yeah. gambling guy. So we have some tips from Delish dot com, okay. and somebody put a, a, a note by this one. Pre-made cocktails are still your friend. And somebody put in parentheses, gross. Our pre-made co- Paul, our producer, he did that. Our pre-made cocktails, gross. Why are pre? <laughs> I think that's a smart way to exactly to make it feed well, a lot of people for, for the host. Yeah. Make it as easy as possible yeah, on yeah, yourself. Yeah. For sure. Otherwise, you don't want to throw parties if it's going to be a, this big, big, fat undertaking. Now, this is right. controversial, but I don't okay. like requiring or making people feel like they need to bring something when I'm throwing a party. Are I, you the same? Do you uh, like to generally? Do I am, but people usually ask, "What can I bring? What can I bring?" And you say nothing, and they still bring something. Well, you know what? I don't say nothing anymore. Oh, what do you say? I'm at the point where I say, "Bring it all." Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what would you like to bring? Oh. 
Yeah. Do it. And that just solves the problem for yeah, you. Do it. Yes, I guess I exactly. like throwing parties where you, people can just show up and that's it. Yeah. But well, now and, you've given up because people like to bring stuff. They do. Okay. And they, they know what they like, too. Yeah, that's right. true. Who are you rooting for, Ursula? Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Us, too. I think you have to, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to say why. I'm because not Taylor Swift say with Taylor yeah, Swift, of course, <laughs> obviously. Because yeah. we want him to propose when he gets yeah. the trophy. <laughs> Is that what everyone's waiting for? I don't know. Yeah, that's a prop well, bet. Plus, Seriously? Plus the 49ers are... Our, Arch rivals, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I've already ordered not to root for Fortnite. So. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jen Ursula, nine o'clock in Cairo News Radio, and that is Mickey time. Outrage at McDonald's. What are people complaining about now? <laughs> well, uh, they're not loving it. Uh, it could be that the combo broke middle class America. The food combo, the eighteen dollar Big Mac meal, and people like content creator Classic Music are expressing their frustrations on TikTok. McDonald's, you come sit your trifling behind down. <laughs> who y'all ain't got out of pocket? Y'all don't forget who you were. Y'all not supposed to be expensive. Mm-hmm. And mm. a lot of. A lot- a lot of people had some choice words on social media, uh, words that I could not say on or, or I air. I love McDonald's. The food yeah. is reliable. You can get a latte without taking out a mortgage. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Well, how, it's become so expensive. Well, how much did you get for $18? $18 Big Mac meals, Dave. So you, get a, Mac, you get a Big Mac fries and a What's included with the meal? Big Mac, Big Mac fries, fries and, a and a Coke. Big Mac has got 1,200 calories. That's three meals in one. <laughs> you cut <laughs> it in thirds, you eat all day. Okay, sure, first, but when you're feeding... No, 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 Dave. What? The Big Mac meal back in 1990 used to be, uh, I think, for a family of four, $10.84. Okay, finally, 1990, what, gas was $2? That's very true. And before you sound off on this, Dave, when was the last time you ate at McDonald's? Uh, Saturday. Oh, that's because you're bringing your granddaughter there now, huh? No, no, no. My granddaughter can't eat at McDonald's. That's that's forbidden. But yes, my pals, my baby boomer pals, we sit down at McDonald's. You guys go to Mickey D's and get a cup of coffee and an egg McMuffin and talk. We talk quantum physics and we Burgers. Hash browns are now six dollars in most places. How much? So? Yes, that's got to be the large size. Uh, there's only there's one only size. one size. Those just be like ninety nine cents, right? And in some places like Connecticut and California, and even the prices here in Seattle are going up. McDonald's is one of those places, though, because it's so consistent and it's reliable. Consistent. You know, when you need a quick meal, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not endorsing it at all. I think that if you eat there 24-7, it's not good for not you. 24/7. I mean, a consistent cheeseburger, a little fry. I mean, it's always good. Hey, once the carbon tax is repealed, it'll go back down. Oh, That's right. is that, is that That's true? Right. Okay, yeah. good. Well, here's the thing. According to some fast food customers, eating at home has become cheaper. And McDonald's is taking a lot of heat for this inflation. And uh, the CEO, Chris Kamzinski, says... I think you're going to see as we head into 2024 is probably more attention to what I would describe as affordability. So prices might be going down. But here's the reason why, like if you're going to places like, you know, Wendy's or Taco Bell and you're noticing that the prices have gone up. Well, according to uh, the article, um, insurance costs for restaurateurs has gone up 31 percent. Minimum wage increase like in California is up to twenty one dollars an hour. And even though, you know, 
commodities are going down, fast food chains in general are saying, listen, the rising cost of dairy, eggs, vegetables, grains all went up and they're passing on that price to the consumer. As as one does. Yeah. yeah. How is he supposed to stay in business? Uh, I don't know. Mm. So where are people going to go instead of McDonald's if they don't like at home? Like the there, well, people are uh, people are really starting to make their own food at home. I, there are people on TikTok that are like, you can make a McDonald's hamburger and let me show you how. It doesn't taste the same. I know it doesn't. Mm-hmm. No. I can remember when I was a little girl and I'm like, please, can we have McDonald's for yeah. dinner? Please, McDonald's. So and my mom would go, I'll make you a hamburger. And I'm like, mm. what's your mm. dipping sauce for nugs? Uh, barbecue or the sweet and sour. The spicy mustard is heaven. No, that honey good. mustard is the best. Is that yeah. the good one? And yeah. you can also Sully? dip I don't your do fries. nugs. You don't do nugs. No, I don't. <gasps> what, don't do you, do what do you get at McDonald's? Uh, usually a quarter pounder with cheese. Of course. Uh, or maybe actually Holly and I have noticed this because we eat at McDonald's quite regularly driving back and forth to Montana <laughs> is uh, that uh, we go for the you know uh, the bacon ch- double cheeseburger, just wow. one of those. But those ones are usually on the value menu. You can get like for three ninety nine, mm-hmm. you can get two of them Yeah, because uh, a lot of places I they had a mon- dollar menu now. Too. No, it's now a three dollar menu, menu, and buy one get one for a dollar is kind of what it's turned into. But yeah, for eighteen bucks, I can go to my local pub and get a hamburger for the same price. I mean, why go to McDonald's now? Yeah. Most um, of their well, savings can be found on their app because every time I go right. there, they're always like, "Are you ordering with your app today?" And I'm like, yes. "No, I don't. I just want to order you to track me. fast food." <laughs> right. And so yeah, you can you can get more discounts on you the can app. you get points yeah. you get like free free drinks things like that. We you know just what? went to McDonald's the other other day family of four i kid you not fifty dollars no and all and all we did fifty dollars and all we did was order value meals Mm. and we didn't supersize them Mm. Hmm. i don't they got rid of that well look take them to canlis next time (laughs) get a nice meal (laughs) and you know what nobody's going to stop you from doing as an adult what buying a happy meal Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I get the Happy Meals. Aren't Happy Meals still you $7? You got toys now? Yeah. Gal, you're on toys? I just give them to my girl. But it's the perfect amount of food. Exactly. See? And you get apples, too. So. Thank you, Mickey. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to the show's podcast. We're happy you're here. And you can keep up with the show and find some of the stories from today online at MyNorthwest.com.